Hamilton Mill, can you believe it's been five years? What a way to start with baptisms and worship, and it's I can, like such a celebration. What a fun time. Man, can you, it feels like we're just getting started, doesn't it? it? Like when I was telling people five years or even thinking for myself, I was like, there's no way. And then I started going back and looking at all the pictures that are, you all are posting on social media, and I had a moment. I'm like, what we're doing here is so different. What God is doing here in you and through you for our community is changing everything. I feel like this community is so glad we're here, that we're a true beacon of hope, and we are so excited. And here's the thing. For those of you who are just joining us, like in the past year or since we became Hamilton Mill Church, that we got to let, we got to build on such a strong foundation. And if you were here over five years ago, you remember what this place looked like, right? An old grocery store, we wrote names on this carpet, and it just looked a hot mess. But look at it now. How amazing, how good is God? So for those of you who've been praying for this place, who, was here, who, is, who were even part of the churches who were here before, I just want to say thank you. Can we thank them real quick for laying such a solid foundation that, man, we're just getting started. Oh, man, and I'm excited. Can I tell you why I'm excited? Okay, let me start here. Let me start. So the other day, something happened. I had one of these moments And maybe you've had this moment before. It's this moment where your whole life flashed before your eyes, right? And usually if you've had it, it's because it was a near-death experience, right? And it wasn't for me, even though I've had those before when I was in my car and I woke up under a semi, whole another conversation, another message for another day. But this was actually a good way of recapping my life. And I was in my office. It was a high-stakes, high-emotions conversation. And as soon as it was over, my mind just snapped into recapping my life. And it started all the way back to when my dad passed away when I was four. And after that happened, this family took care of us and brought their church to show us what God's love is like. And they were for us. And then it fast forwarded all the way to my time at Florida State. Go Knowles, we were robbed. And so uh, all the way to, floor, um, to my first day at Florida State. And I set foot on campus and I'm so glad to be there as a freshman. And the first person I encounter yells at me and says, because of your skin color, you're going to hell. I had never experienced, that was the first time I experienced that before. And then it went to me joining a campus ministries leadership team where I fell in love with leadership development. And then fast forward, it moved to my final semester at Florida State where I felt in the middle of class, God calling me to ministry. And if you ever had these moments, it's so quick, isn't it? It's like bam, bam, bam. And then it jumped to Hurricane Katrina and my family, if you know my story, losing everything, but then God providing and showing me I'm not forgotten. Then again, it went fast and went to my time in Tampa with college students all the way to my time here with you being the pastor. And normally you would think, man, that must have taken an hour, uh, forever. No, it's like seconds if that's ever happened to you. As soon as it was done though, something happened. I was reminded why I do what I do, why I'm willing to be here, to stand up here and talk to you. I was reminded, because you see that conversation led to that person giving their life to Christ. In my office, that doesn't happen very often. I know I'm a pastor, it should happen very often. It doesn't happen very often (laughs) in my office. And at that moment, I I was reminded, I do what I do because I want everyone to have what I have. To know Jesus gives them a full life, a life of peace, a life of purpose, a life of joy, a life of meaning. And many of you have that, and that's why you want to tell people about that. It's that excitement, that that better way of living. 
It's that reminder that God is for you and not against you. And so that's where this series came about. That's why we've decided as a church for the next three weeks to talk about four. And you might, be, you might be new and confused and you've seen this all around the place and you've heard us talk about it. Or you might be, have been here since the beginning and you've heard us talk about it over and over and over. And so for the next couple of weeks, my hope is that as you hear this series, you are inspired not just to be for people. That's, it's, it's bigger than that. My hope is that you're inspired to change the way you live based on this message. Because let me tell you, if you get this mindset, it changes the way you parent, the way you uh, lead your business, the way you work, the way you uh, have relationships with your friends and with your spouses. It changes everything about your life because it, to me, is a better way of living. Now, if you have been here for a long time, I'm going to encourage you to lean in. I want to hopefully present this in a new, fresh way so it reinvigorates you. If you've heard this for a while, like it did for me, and if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, don't lean back. I actually want to encourage you to lean in because I want to know does this resonate with you? I want to know what you thought about this message because this could be a different message that you've ever heard before from the church. Because you see, I've been studying some trends about the church. I know, surprise, I'm a pastor. I, surprise, I study the church, right? But for 10 years, I've noticed something. And, it, and about 10 years ago, I spent some time researching the decline of the church because I noticed it started going down about, about 10 years ago. And it was going slow and slow. And then some of you noticed when COVID hit, it, went, it dropped. And it didn't matter what age you were, what generation you were part of, church attendance, church engagement declined. And when I talk about the church, I'm actually not talking about our church. We're doing really well, thanks to you. But I'm talking about the, the capital C church, the global church, and really specifically the church in North America. And as I studied these trends, I noticed it wasn't just church attendance. It was more so church engagement. It was being able to get, become a part of a local community, to call this place home or call a place home where you get involved, you join a group, you serve, you give, or you invite people. It was more of like giving your life to something, right? That was, has been in such decline even more so since COVID. And as I was studying it, I was so confused. I'm like, why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening, right? We have the greatest message in the world. What's that message? Well, it's... God is for you. God is for you. God, and the word for just means to be in favor of. God is in favor of you. And so I'm so confused of why we've been declining as the, the larger organization of a church. And if we have the greatest message, and this four message is all based on this great message. And you might have seen this message before uh, that the Apostle John wrote. You might have seen it on billboards. Uh, and I would believe 99% of us on this earth, whether you grew up in church or not, have seen this message. You might have seen it on a sign, on an advertisement. You probably have seen it on some guy's chest at a sporting event or on eye block uh, from athletes. And here's what, that, what it is. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. God was so in favor and so in love with the world that he gave his one and only son. Because God loved us and is so for us, he sacrificed his own son, Jesus, to die for us. And then he continues, whoever believes in him shall not perish. And that word perish means not you won't die. Statistics are true. 100% of us will die. It means you'll never be separated from your heavenly father if you believe in him. And then, he conti then John continues. He says, but we'll have eternal life. See, 
God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him at that moment, you receive his spirit so you will never be separated from God. Even after death, you will be in heaven forever with him. Isn't that good news? It's so simple. It's so easy. In fact, the way we teach it in our kids' ministry is this. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. That's it. God loved for God so loved the world. God gave, that he gave his only son, that if we believe, we will receive his spirit and eternal life, never separated from him. So simple. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. So what happened? Well, here's what, I have some theories. One of my theories is this. I believe we, we kept the good news to just this verse. But John didn't finish in this verse. He actually continued and said this in John 3, 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, God gave and God loved us so much that he gave his son to save us. Because he wants every single person to have a relationship with their heavenly father. Not to condemn them. Not to say you're wrong. You're a horrible person. You're not invited to my family. That's not what God said. And so my theory is the reason people call us. I put up barriers because they call us hypocritical. Judgmental. They call us angry. They call us political. Is because we've missed this. We've, kind of, we, we've, we've just focused on the first verse, but then we've made an uh, uh, insider's club. We've, we've missed the message of Jesus, which is love. And again, we're doing great here. It's more of the capital C church I'm talking about, more of the global church. And now, as a result, I feel like our perception of the church is what's written on our wall out there. For far too long, the church has been known for what it's against. And that's how we're known, Right? You've seen it on TV, you've seen it on news, you've seen it on social media. A lot of times we're characterized as people who are known for what we're against. And because of that, we've, uh, many churches have protected what they need to protect and saying, hey, if you're not perfect, you're not allowed to be here, which is such bad news, right? Because if you feel condemnation from the people of God, how are you going to assume God feels about you? Condemnation, right? And so because of that, my theory that I believe what has happened is we've outsourced the marketing of this good news, of this gospel, this message about how much Jesus loves us and how God is for us. We've outsourced it to people who have louder voices, to people who have an agenda, to people who, have, who desire uh, to have their own message. And because of that, there's been misinterpretations, there's been generalizations made, and we have incorrect in information about what the church is supposed to be about and what the followers of Jesus is about. Because of that, many churches are now no longer outsider focused, no longer about reaching people, but more about keeping people. And that's not what Jesus came to do. So what do we do about that? How do we change that perception? How is us in this small little neck of the woods, small little corner of the world, how do we fix that? How do we help the big church? What do we do about that? Well, ironically, the answer comes straight from Jesus. And Jesus said something that actually no one was expecting. Uh, he was good at that. He did that a lot. But this specific instance, he did something and said something that I believe even relates to us today, but was so surprising and so life-changing to the people listening back then. And the apostle John continues it. He writes about it. And uh, he, he's a biographer of Jesus' life, one of four. And he sets up the scene in John 19. He says this, or John 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid 
of the Jewish leaders. So let me paint the scene here. That Sunday is after Friday. What happened on Friday? Jesus was crucified. And when he was crucified, or even before he was crucified, when he was arrested, every single, almost every single one of his disciples ran. Peter even denied that he was a follower of Jesus while Jesus was on trial. And so that Sunday evening, they were afraid because if they killed their leader, who were they coming after next? Them. They were next. The people who they were, he, who associated with him. And so I would have been, I don't blame them. I would have been afraid. Now, what's funny is you see, it says Sunday. He's what happened Sunday morning. He came back to life. He resurrected, right? So, but they hadn't known. Jesus had only revealed himself to Mary at that point. So they hadn't realized what had happened yet. And so here's what happens next. It's so cool. John continues. That Sunday evening, uh, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Suddenly, Jesus shows up. He doesn't knock. He doesn't just open the door like he can. He doesn't even pull a Casper the Friendly Ghost and go through the door and show up, right? He just appears. It's kind of like when your kids are little and you wake up and they're standing there breathing on you in the middle of the night and they're like, can I have some water? You're like, why did you just wake me up? You just freak me out, right? It's like that kind of feeling. For me, it happened when my brother-in-law decided to give our kids a gorilla suit. Why? I don't know. I ask him, and his response is, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so one night, Eden, our daughter, decides to put on the gorilla suit in the middle of the night. I'm sleeping, and I wake up to snarling and teeth, and I'm from Miami. There's no flight. There is only fight. I almost went to jail that night. I'm like, girl, you cannot do that to me. I, can't, that, I cannot imagine how the disciples were feeling because they were afraid. They either went into fight or flight mode. I didn't know if they were going to throw hands with Jesus or what, but I cannot imagine what would have happened at that moment. That's the suddenly that Jesus just shows up. And then what he says is so huge. Peace be with you. Oh, sorry, we can go back. My bad. Peace be with you, he says. Peace be with you. See, at that moment, Jesus could have come in angry. He could have come in with condemnation because I probably would have. I'd be like, where'd you all go? We literally did life together day and night for three years and you abandoned me? You abandoned my family? How could you? No, instead he said, peace be with you. A typical greeting as if nothing happened. It's almost as if Jesus was saying, hey, we're good. I know what you did. I'm going to extend grace to you. I forgive you. I love you. And I still want to have a relationship with you. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news? The fact that Jesus did not come in angry, but instead God does not come angry towards us. He says, I love you. I'm for you. And I want a relationship with you. What a picture. And then what happens next? Uh, then John tells us what happens next. He says this, as he spoke, Jesus, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. He wasn't some spirit. He was physically there. He puts out his hands and they see the, the, the holes in his hands from the nails and the holes in his side from the spear that pierced him. And at that moment, they were filled with joy. And the reason was they thought he was gone. 
They thought the movement was dead. They thought all their hopes and dreams had been demolished. But at that moment, they, Jesus reminded them, oh, no, 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 no. We're just getting started. This changes everything. Because at that moment, the good news became great joy for not just them, but for all people. Because Jesus, who predicted his own death and resurrection, proved it and did it. And I don't know about you, but anybody who does that, I'm going to follow because no one else has ever done that in history. And at that point, I bet the disciples finally got it. They're like, this is what he's been talking about. This is the mission. This is, we, this is what you, like, this is literally going to change everything. This is bigger than Rome. This is bigger than Jerusalem. This is bigger than us. I think they got it. That's the moment that the good news became great joy. And then next is the statement he makes that changed everything for them back then. And even for us today, here's what he said. Again, he reminds them, hey, we're good. Peace be with you. We still have a great relationship. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see what just happened? First of all, he gave them his spirit so that God is with them wherever they went. They didn't have to be near Jesus to know God. But then him saying, I'm sending you. Whoa, 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 Jesus. No, 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 no. You're the mission. You're the one carrying the vision, not us. And Jesus saying, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's as if when I, when I handed my keys to the car and Colin, my oldest, would drive for the first time. I said, I trust you now. I'm trusting you with something so valuable that can do either good or bad. But I trust you because you are valuable and I'm trusting you with this great responsibility. This is what Jesus was doing to the disciples. He was explaining this message, this this mission is so important. I trust you with it that you're gonna carry the vision and you're gonna continue the mission. And what is that? It's that getting that message out that everyone deserves this peace, that they deserve to know that God is for them. That God loves them and he wants a relationship with them. And the reason this is such a big deal is because the Bible describes the disciples as ordinary, uneducated men. Not people you would choose as your apprentices as a rabbi. They didn't have the whole scriptures memorized. They didn't have the whole lifestyle. In fact, they were a ragtag group of people who constantly still got in trouble when they were with Jesus, right? And so everyone's like, are, are you, they're not perfect. They're not great. They're not good. And Jesus is like, no, I trust you with this valuable, so important message so that everyone can hear. And they took it and they ran with it. And they passed it on and they multiplied the message that everyone kept talking about it for generations and generations and generations to even to where we are today. They carried the vision and they continued the mission. And essentially what they were doing is saying, God is for you. They were saying, for God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. But then for us, it says, for God so loved Hamilton Mill, he sent us, us, you, and me, and us. See, that was such a big deal because it didn't stop with them. It continued on to even today where we're going to continue to be for Hamilton Mill. And he is sending us wherever we go to continue to carry the vision and continue the mission everywhere we go. So that we no longer outsource the message to other people, but to people like you who get it who know that God loves them and is for them. So we want everyone else to know that God loves them 
and is for them. Now, here's the issue, though. It's taboo to talk about Jesus right now in culture, isn't it? It's tough. Like, we, we, we don't want to impose or force anyone to believe in Jesus. We don't want, like, we're told not to do that, right? Why not? Why not? Why not, why not tell people about Jesus? But let's do it the way Jesus did. We shouldn't be imposing or forcing Jesus on anyone. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus, how would Jesus do it? He always offered an invitation to follow, didn't he? He just offered an invitation for people to follow them. And in the church, we may have painted a picture that we need to impose Jesus on people. But he didn't do that. He didn't force people to do anything. He would offer the invitation and let them choose. So why not do that, right? Well, we're not supposed to talk about it right now in culture. I'm like, we're talking about everything else, aren't we? If you look at news and social media, nothing is off the table anymore, especially this coming year. Oh my gosh. And it's like, right? So why can't we? Why don't we do that? That, Because that's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't demand or force anyone to follow him. So let's be the group of people who carry the vision and continue the mission and say, God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. But here's the thing. The difference between us and Jesus is Jesus' motivation. What was Jesus' motivation? Well, he was God. And if we learn from anything from John, for God so loved the world. So what was Jesus' motivation? Love. And that should be our motivation. Because God loves us and we love the people around us, we should not impose Jesus on them, but propose Jesus to them and invite them to follow him, right? And when our motivation is love, man, we do crazy things for love, don't we? Man, oh my gosh, I love my kids. So I'm gonna spend a ton of money on basketball for my son and dance for my daughter, right? And some of you are the same way. You do travel sports, you do cheering competitions, you throw lavish parties. Like we all spend money on people we love. In fact, if you have kids, we would die for them before them, right? We would go before them. We do crazy things for, and it's not just children. We do it for people we're trying to date, you know what I'm saying? Like we do it for people for our spouses. We do it for people in our lives who we love. We do crazy things for love. And why? Why does our mind go nuts? Because that's what our motivation is. We want them to know how much we love them. So we should invite people, if our motivation is love, to know Jesus. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. And when when your motivation is love, oh my goodness, you gain a new passion for what I'm talking about to be for others. Because what happens is your, your motivation far outweighs the fear of the outcomes. That's what happens. It changes everything. The apostle Paul, he put it this way. He said, Christ's love compels us. It compels us to spread this message, to, to carry the vision and continue the mission that Jesus gave the disciples. Now, the method we do that it's again, the same way Jesus did. We tell people, we also do what Jesus did. He gave, he served, he sacrificed, he extended grace to everyone. And that's our calling, to invite everyone to follow Jesus. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. Not by demanding, not by imposing, by proposing everyone that Jesus can give them this life that we all have. That's our job. And Jesus showed us what this looked like, didn't he? 
He was the original four gangster, right? He started this message. This is nothing new to us. He was the first one to do it. And when he did it, it changed what everyone thought about God. It was so compelling that they wanted to be a part of it. This isn't new. And people would follow him after that. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. For God so loved Hamilton Mill, he sent us. So let's do that, right? Now I know, that's scary. That is a little intimidating. You're like, I don't know if people want to talk about Jesus. And with the stats of the church, don't we want to change the perception? So do we really want to do that? Okay, with the, with, with the negativity of all the stats I've been reading, I found one stat that has been so encouraging in the midst of this. And it's actually from this past year. And here's what it says. 84% of people today are willing to engage in a spiritual conversation. Isn't that nuts? That's not just the majority. That's almost everyone. And as I started thinking about it, I realized, no, this is true. Because if you've seen shows like The Chosen or movies that are faith movies, they're doing so well. On the flip side, if you've heard of the movie, the recording studio, the movie studio Blumhouse, they make horror movies. They said the demand for horror movies is so great that they're trying to pump out more because people are more into spiritual things right now. Even they see it. 84% of people today are willing to engage in a spiritual conversation. So it might be like, oh, I don't know if anybody wants to talk, anybody wants to talk about that. Are you kidding me? They want to talk about it more than ever. So let's invite people to know Jesus, that God love, God gave, we believe, we receive. But before I continue, there's a group of people I want to speak to. If you're watching online or you're in this room and you've been hurt by someone or by a church in the name of Jesus, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That was not meant to happen. That is not the message of Jesus. He is for you. Your heavenly father is for you. And I just want to let you know that we are for you too. For Hamilton Mill is for you. It's not just a thing we say, it's a thing we do and we act around here. So I hope that today inspires you that that is not the way it's meant to be. That this good news is meant to bring great joy, not a feeling of condemnation. Because you see, that's what we want everyone to feel, right? That's what this four message is all about. That we want to be so for Hamilton Mill that they, there's no doubt in this area and this community that God is for them. Now, when I say that, you might be thinking, so we're just for a neighborhood? Listen, I'm a yellow, red, seven. If you know anything about the Enneagram or the temperaments, I'm a visionary. That is too small for us to think. All right, you can't put me in a box like that. You can't put God in a box like that. Four Hamilton, four Hamilton Mill is actually bigger than that. And we have a map of how big Hamilton Mill is. So this is the area we reach. This is, technically this is not Hamilton Mill. I know this is where we are. And really Hamilton Mill is just this area, right? But this is the area of everywhere we're reaching. We're reaching multiple counties, zip codes, and cities. Well, you know what that tells me? This is bigger than us. This is bigger than us. There's 300,000 people living in this area. I know, right? And more moving in every single day if you've seen all the new builds. And you might not even be represented on here. This is the majority of where we reach. 
And so let's not think of it so small. Let's expand it and let's make it bigger. Hamilton Mill is so much bigger. It's filled with 300,000 people and even more because you're gonna carry the message and you're gonna continue the mission to wherever you are. You might go down to Atlanta and work down there. You might, be in, uh, you might live above Lanier. I don't know. You might be in Oakwood. Who knows? Like wherever you are, you're gonna continue that because we are not gonna keep this to just ourselves. We're on a bigger mission than just Hamilton Mill. We want the world to know God is for them. We want to help the capital C church, the global church. We want to change the perception of what people think about Christians and the church. So are you in? Are you going to do this? That's my challenge to you today because here's the thing I don't want to happen. We hear this message, we get excited, and we go, go for it, Raul. Go for it, church staff. So my question to you this morning is, have you outsourced the marketing? of this to us to me have you done that because if so nothing's going to change nothing's going to get better no one's lives are going to get better god didn't just call our staff to this community he called each and every single one of you see i live right around here no right there i live like right around here that's a small little area where i live i can't do it all but if you you might live here you might live here. You might live all the way in Flatter Branch in Brazelton. You might live in uh, Auburn or Lawrenceville. You might live farther south. You might live farther north. You've got to take this message. That's the only way it's going to work, just like the disciples did. And then it multiplied. And can you imagine if just right now, just if you're watching online, just in this room, if for once a month we shared this message with someone, I believe in five years we can reach all 300,000 people. Once a month. How about once a week? Oh, it could be quicker, right? Can you imagine what could happen? We could literally change Hamilton Mill and be on. And it's not going to come from a platform like this. It's going to come from your personal interactions and your personal invitations. Now, you're not alone. We're here to help. And that's why we've given you tools to do this. Uh, You've seen our store. We've given you merch to wear, right? And we don't make any money on that store. In fact, it's a loss leader. We lose money on it because the goal is just to get the message out. And it's so funny when my wife, Annie, goes to like the grocery store or the mall or anywhere else with her friends and she wears this, she always gets someone going four. That's it. Like what, what's, what's four? What's this all about? You're, and she's like, man, God loves you and God is for you. Like that's always, it's such a enticing, different message and it creates curiosity. That's why we have magnets and stickers to put on your car. So that people can know and go, wait, what is that? In fact, if you don't have one of those on your car, guest services right now putting them on your car, so don't be surprised when you go outside. <laughs> but that's another way to perpetuate the message, to, make, to get this message to spread. And then last but not least, when you use the hashtag for the mill. It used to be for Hamilton Mill. We've switched it to make it easier because people were like, it's too long. So it's for the mill, not Puckett's Mill, Hamilton Mill. Okay, for the mill, right? That it's for the mill. When you use that hashtag, it's to create curiosity. So when people see that, they're like, what's this all about? And you might be tempted to respond when someone asks you about this four thing. You might be tempted to say, oh, that's just the church I go to. That's not fun. That doesn't accomplish what we're trying to accomplish to change the perception. So let me challenge you. When someone asks you at the grocery store, at your, friend's, at your kid's sporting event, at a competition, what I want you to say is this. God is for you, and so are we. God is for you, and so are we. When when someone steps out of your car after a business lunch and they see the magnet, what's that about? I've seen that around town. Oh, we're on a mission. God is for you, and so are we. That's it. You don't want us to say anything about the church? No. 
We're on a bigger mission here. We're not trying to fill our church. We're trying to fill heaven, people, right? Like, that's not our goal. Our goal is to help change the perception of Christians and the church everywhere. God is for you, and so are we. When someone sees you use the hashtag or wear the shirt, you could even personalize it. You could say, God is for you, and so am I. What a different message, right? God is for you, and so am I, and so are we. This message will remove barriers. They will no longer feel condemnation from us. They will feel acceptance. They will not feel like the church is a country club. They'll feel like, I can be a part. It's not, it's not inclusive. No, it's, exclu- it's not exclusive. It's inclusive of everyone. God is for you, and so are we. Oh, oh so, so then after we say that, do we share God? God loved, God gave, we believe, we received. No. Listen, the goal is not to impose, but to propose. And the way you do that is by building a relationship. God is for you and so are we. And if you continue the relationship and it's to someone close to you, God will, if you live with the motivation of love, God will give you the opportunity to share God love, God gave, we believe, we receive. To share the gospel, the good news. He will give you that opportunity as you continue to show them how much you are for them. And so for here as a church, for the next three weeks, that's where we're going. And we're gonna do it in these three ways that we haven't changed since the beginning. We're gonna continue to be far for those far from God. That's what today was all about. Doesn't matter if you grew up in church, you're de-church, you're no longer in church, you're watching online and have no desire to come here, you call yourself an atheist or have no religion, you can belong before you believe. And we hope that you know God is for you and so are we. Next week, we're gonna talk about being for, those, for the community. We believe a thriving community is made up of local businesses, strong nonprofits, and great schools, which lead to thriving families. And we're going to talk about that next week, and we're going to do a service project next week after. I'll explain that in just a second. And then last but not least, on the third week, we're going to be for the next generation. We hope that everybody in the next generation, from newborns to young adults, know that they have someone in their corner. That we are in their corner. And that God is for them, and so are we. You see where we're going? We're, we're just getting started, people. God's about to do a new thing, and it's incredible. And the reason this is such a big deal, and the reason I'm so passionate about it, is because I shouldn't be here. Son of an immigrant, fatherless, according to statistics, you know this, I should be dead or in jail. But because of Jesus, and because someone, a family, when my dad passed away, took us in and said, God is for you, not against you, It changed everything. It changed the full trajectory of my family to where I can stand before you today. Don't you want that for someone else you love? Don't you want that? That they can have such a... Don't you want your neighbor to know God is for them and loves them and gives them peace? Don't you want to put your neighbor's name in here where it says, for God so loved blank, he sent Jesus. For God so loved Rahul, for God so loved... Jake, for God so loved Katie, for God so loved Marcin, for God so loved, insert their, your neighbor's name. He sent Jesus. Don't you want your friend to know that Jesus can help them with their anxiety, with their depression, with their feelings of worthlessness? For God so loved, put their name here. He sent Jesus. Don't you want your son, your grandson, your, na- your, your mom, your dad, your aunt to know for God so loved them? He sent Jesus, so that they can have his spirit living with them and have hope and courage every single day. Don't you want them to have what you have? So let's tell them. Because if you have the cure to cancer, would you keep it to yourself? No, you'd tell them. 
you'd make sure they knew about it. Because we have hope. We have information that brings hope to a dying world. So let's not keep it to ourselves. Because it's awkward? Well, let's make it unawkward. We talk about everything else. Because of the history of the church? Well, we say the past no longer defines us. Why not here? Why not us? Why not now? Why not Hamilton Mill? Let's pray. God, you are so good. You're so good to me. You're good to, so good to us. And I want everyone to know it. And we want everyone to know it because this is a group of people who gets that. That they're not pr- imposing you onto people. They are motivated by love. We are motivated by love to let them know that God, you are for them and so are we. So Lord, help us. Help us carry the vision and continue the mission you gave the disciples. And let us change our little corner in hopes of changing the perception of the church, the church and ultimately the world. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for being so good to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.